You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 216. Who cares? With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of LeadingRenation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. Brandon, the Eagles, the one and two Eagles, are going to square off against the one and two Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, obviously two very evenly matched teams because their records are both one and two. Uh, Eagles coming off a devastating, not devastating, but uh, embarrassing loss to the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, on Monday night. How are you doing, buddy? Jimmy, I didn't expect it to be that bad. I didn't. I <laughs> no, I thought they had a chance to win the game, of course. Yeah, I thought it was going to be competitive, at least. Maybe Cowboys pull away at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe I could see that, but not like just pretty much, you know, I mean, that first drive from the jump just you know, didn't feel great about them. But before we get into everything today, I uh, just want to mention that BGN Radio obviously brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best snacks you can try. And clearly, the Eagles haven't been eating enough of them because they lost mm-hmm. embarrassingly to Dallas. And uh, it wasn't fun to me. I will say, as I said on the NFC mixtape and Twitter, which I'm sure you've noticed to me, my avatar is now a picture of the Boston I didn't. The boys, you're, but- you're a big Cowboys fan now. Yeah, it's terrible. Um, you jumped on the bad the bandwagon after the Eagles' <laughs> right. big loss to them. Well, that's that's what they do. So you know, uh, <laughs> no, it's it's really bad. But uh, the game itself, Jimmy, I actually was okay at because I said we had the BGN watch party at Pistola's Del Sur. Uh, you know, shout out to Seamus for putting that together and saw a lot of people there uh, that I hadn't seen in a while too because of the pandemic. It was nice, it was like genuinely nice to see people I hadn't seen in so long. So I think some of that kind of made it less worse for me mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, watching it with people, uh, like so. I think in theory, you might think like watching it with a bunch of people would be worse, just because like everyone's miserable around each other. But it actually, made it better because the saying "misery loves company," so it wasn't as bad. But I mean, like, I don't know. It's the thing that's that sucked to me about Jimmy. It, it didn't even feel like a real game again because like the Eagles are down from the jump. Yeah, Cowboys had that first drive, and you know they recover that touchdown in the end zone. But like, okay. Like, you know, that doesn't like, okay, maybe you're like, okay, maybe this will be a game after all. But after that, just, it never really felt like a game to me. The Cowboys were in complete control that entire game. Yeah. Yeah. So not great. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess where should we start with that? The horrendous game plan that they came in with? Uh, I think that's probably a good starting point. Like what? I don't even understand what they were possibly thinking. Like he even, and he'll never answer this question ever again during a press conference. I think it was Jeff McLean asked him what was the game plan and he'll never answer that again because the answer he gave, he's getting torn apart on and rightfully so. It was basically, he didn't say these words so much, but, and obviously like the way the game, uh, sort of progressed, it, you know, like it, it sort of 
you know, factored into it. But he basically said that they were prepared to kind of get into a shootout with them. He didn't use those words, um, which makes no sense to me because the Cowboys are a team that's like well equipped to win shootouts and the Eagles are not. So you'd think that like, you know, the Eagles themselves would try to, you know, control the ball, um, you know, sort of do what they did against Atlanta where they, you know, made reads easy for Jalen Hurts and um, sort of accentuated his strengths running the football, both a lot with him and with the running backs, uh, you know, get the screen game involved. And we barely saw any of that. Like it was basically just drop back um, typical like game plan for a pocket passer and for a coach that, you know, really sort of extolled his value in uh, being able to formulate a game plan around three different quarterbacks uh, in Indianapolis, like he's mentioned so many times with Jacoby Brissett and with Andrew Luck and with Phillip Rivers. And we saw week one, we did, we have not seen him build the game plan around the strengths of his players, in my opinion, in weeks two uh, or three. And the idea that like you're going to match points with a team like Dallas and you punt twice on fourth and five in their end of the uh, end of the field like none of that makes any sense to me and just a a really bad concerning game uh and game plan from from Nick Sirianni uh coming off another quite you know it wasn't as bad week two but certainly a questionable game plan uh, against the 49ers as well so uh yeah I think that's sort of been the main takeaway uh from from the fan base obviously Jalen we will get Jalen Hurts in a minute but uh, do you have anything to add, really, on uh, the game plan that they came out with, either offensively or defensively? I mean, I don't think it's as simple as you run the ball more and you win that game, like, to be clear. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a lot of the talk coming out of the answer. They didn't run the ball enough, and I agree with that. I mean, everyone, like, who disagrees with that? When you run the ball <laughs> three times, three times, which I think, like... <laughs> with, 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 fo- with the running backs, to be clear. They ran three times with right. the backs, yes. Right. I think, according to, like, Pro Football Reference, it was, like, the lowest time ever or something. Like, like, it was, like, crazy. Yeah. And Miles Sanders only got two of those, like... That's Miles Sanders. He's one of your best offensive players. Like, how is he only touching the ball twice? Uh, and then, and then he, I guess he had three, uh, receptions too, but like, just, and, and it was working. <laughs> he was like looking good when it happened. So it's pretty crazy. And then as you highlighted too, even more insane, Cowboys defensive line is depleted. Yeah. They didn't have a lot of and bodies light. there. De- and like, like injury devastated, not devastated, but they, they, like, they were missing six defensive linemen and, mm-hmm. You know, Michael Including Parsons. Best one. Michael Parsons is a linebacker who's playing defensive end in that game. He's 245 pounds. Run at him. See what if he can hold up against the point of attack. And then you have on the other side, Randy Gregory, who the Cowboys have specifically uh had him not play on rundowns. Like he is just a pass rush specialist only. He's starting at the other defensive end spot. And they have a guy, Osa Odigizua who is a 280-pound defensive tackle. And then the other guy is Brent Urban, who started a defensive tackle. Again, he was, he's been more of like a, like a 3-4 defensive end over the course of his career. Run right over those guys. And they, they gave him the backs three times. It's crazy. So it was just a bad game for Nick Sirianni. <laughs> and yes. he goes without saying. And, I, you know, some of that to me, I guess, is to be expected from a guy who never called plays before, you know, before this season. Um, I think... But I, the the idea of growing pains, as we talked about before, is an interesting one to me in in the like context that not all growing pains necessarily mean like this is temporary. Because I think that's what people are saying when they say growing pains. Like, I mean, they might be, they might be temporary. But what if they're just lasting deficiencies? I'm not going to say Nick Sirianni can't learn from this or he won't learn from this, but it's pretty concerning. Like, it's, it's a, it's just the again. 
it's not like just okay everyone has one bad game like that's understandable but like what was the thought process here like like you can't even look at you can't look at what he was thinking and being like well this was a good strategy but it just didn't work out it's like no like what like you said what was the plan like how was what was the plan like how was this supposed to go well for them like it's hard to envision it yeah the other thing too uh back with the running game and not to harp on this but um you know, the, the excuse given is that it was a blowout and it eventually became a blowout, but they didn't run the ball early in the game either. And then the other time I thought like they maybe could have come out and, and, you know, tried the run game was at the beginning of the second half. Like they kind of dodged a little bit of a bullet in that it was only 20 to seven coming out of the first half. You come out, you get the ball because uh, they deferred the kick. You get the ball at the, at the beginning of the uh, second half. You know, maybe try to see what you can do on the ground there because obviously, you know, what they were trying to do through the air wasn't working at that point in the game. So see what you can do uh, on the ground, maybe get a little bit more balance. And they just, you know, didn't do it. And they, they stuck with uh, just trying to drop back all day. And, and you know, we all saw the results. One thing I want to bring up about the coaching point uh, after the game, like obviously I just said that Nick Sirianni deserves a lot of blame for the loss. Um, I wouldn't say 100%, but a lot of the blame for the loss. To me, it kind of does frustrate me, though, that like everyone's anger is always directed at the head coach yep. with the Eagles. Because That's I was told that Doug Peterson was the biggest problem. with the. I mean, the Eagles told us Doug Peterson was the biggest problem based on their actions because they, <laughs> they fired, fired him, him. Yeah. and they kept the GM. <laughs> Um, and there was a lot of discussion in the off season that I felt was centered around like, oh, Doug Peterson didn't know how to develop these players. Oh, Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson's offense is stale. He doesn't coach the player's strengths like Nick Sirianni does. Well, like, I don't know. I saw a lot of issues there that looked kind of familiar to me on Monday night. And, uh, I guess we can get to the defense a little bit later, but, um, I'm not to say that Jonathan Gannon has been bad by any means, but like people treated Jim Schwartz like he was a joke of a defensive coordinator. Like, oh, he doesn't know. He's in over his head. He doesn't know what he's doing. Jim Schwartz allowed 140 plus. He was had one, here. I'll rephrase it this way. In the Jim Schwartz era, which I think was like 86 games total, including playoffs, he was allowed 40 points once. Is one that right? Time. Yeah. Huh. In three games in the Jonathan Gannon era, the Eagles have allowed 40 points once. So, uh, not to say that, you know, I'm not saying who was better or whatever, but like, it's not just the coaching. The issues here go beyond coaching. And the coaching was issue on Monday night, but like the problem with the Eagles as a whole is more, goes beyond the coaching. And we've said that before, but it just kind of frustrates me when I see like all the anger directed at the coaching, which again, I think is fair for this specific matchup. But if we're zooming out and we're taking, you know, thousand foot view or whatever you want to call it that I, I just think there are bigger issues here so that's kind of that's what frustrates me a little bit coming out of this matchup because like I don't think this loss was just about uh, a poor game plan I also think an underrated story coming out of this game is that there's a big deficiency in Dallas uh, talent Dallas has more talent Jimmy like they have young players who are actually making plays and like CD Lamb who had that big reception at the beginning of the game mm-hmm. and Micah Parsons like they have and uh, Trayvon Diggs. Like they have, they have more talent than the Eagles. They just do. I'm trying to think of what game that was. Is it, was it the Vikings game that they gave up 40 under Schwartz? Uh, the Saints game in 2018. Ah, uh, uh, yes, yeah. right, 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 right. Yeah, that was a disaster. That's shock. It's a little surprising to me. The Vikings didn't. Uh, all like remember that game or they just they just it was close. They, it was like 39, 38. Okay. All yeah. right. Uh, anyway, yeah. Um, your points are all well taken. Like the Cowboys clearly have a better roster than the the, the Cowboys are going to run away with this division because the Eagles aren't good. It's over. The, it's over. The it's Giants. Over. The Giants are complete and total trash, and the uh, Washington Football Team um, is probably one of the more disappointing teams in the NFL, uh, in my opinion. They, they have uh, obviously we knew their their quarterback issues were a problem, but um, the rest of the roster has not been good either. Anyway, back to the Eagles. Um, 
let's move on to Jalen Hurts, who, mm-hmm. in my opinion, um, so like when you look at Jalen Hurts and his strengths and his weaknesses, I think we saw all of like the concern areas or weaknesses or whatever you want to call it. I think we all saw, we saw like all of those things kind of come to fruition in that Cowboys game. Like he wasn't accurate, slow to get the ball out, locked in on receivers. I think most notably on that pick six to that, you know, the, from the aforementioned Trayvon Diggs. And uh, I was too quick to bail from the pocket in my opinion uh, uh, in, in that game. And, um, you know, I think heading into training camp, uh, he, I think he like legitimately looked to improve those areas. And I think he did improve in, in all those areas as, as camp sort of, uh, went along. And, and, um, uh, I think, you know, week one, the game plan sort of, uh, like I said, it, it accentuated his strengths and, uh, he was better in those areas. He threw for like 70% of his passes. Obviously a lot of those were easier throws, but when they started pushing the ball down the field or trying to anyway, uh, a little bit more in weeks two and week three, um, you know, we, we, we saw sort of the, uh, inaccuracy issues come back and it's not for a lack of effort, in my opinion, that, uh, that, that it hasn't, um, sort of been, it doesn't seem to have improved a ton from, from this year to last year. Like I thought he looked a lot like the quarterback in this Dallas game that he looked like, uh, in his late, in his starts late in the season last year is pretty much the same guy, in my opinion. So there's some concern over that and, um, I guess the question I would ask you is where are you in terms of his likelihood in proving that he can be the Eagles, you know, franchise quarterback in 2022 and beyond? So I think of it as like a very high bar to clear and like actual, I'm like picturing as I'm signaling to Jimmy right He's now. He's got like his hand bar. up all the way up by his forehead <laughs> and Brandon's and six, nine or six, yeah. six, nine. Although or six, I'm sitting ten. down. Six nine. So when he puts his nice. hand up to his forehead, that that means extra than it would yeah. if you did it. I don't think Hertz has ever really been above that though. Like, I don't think there's a point. So if, if we're tracking this kind of like a week to week thing, if mm-hmm. it's kind of like a bar graph or whatever, like, I don't think there's in week one. Sure, after that game, like you're. I don't even think he's above it at that point. I think he's like approaching it. Um, I just think there are clear limitations here, Jimmy. Uh, like I said on the mixtape, and I don't want to rehash all of it. That like there's a reason that Jalen Hurts went at 53. And there's a reason he got benched at Alabama. Like, there, there are reasons. He's not an elite passing prospect. He just isn't. Yeah. And that doesn't mean he can't be a decent NFL quarterback. And I think, like, what we're seeing out of him, I think we've seen enough from Jalen Hurts not to, like, write the book on his career or what's going to happen necessarily for the rest of the season. But I think we have enough of a sample size to kind of have, like, a baseline of who he mm-hmm. is, like an idea of who he is maybe like the picture isn't like totally painted yet but you can kind of see like like a good chunk of it i kind of just feel like he's almost going to be like a tyrod taylor level starter in the nfl like a guy you know like who can start but like he's not like your franchise quarterback that you're contending with a championship around like he's not that kind of player and the interception was huge early in the game like just from a momentum standpoint if you want to believe in momentum like that kind of sucks the that takes the throw it came out too late yeah yeah, and it's just like, man, that's crushing. You're on the road in like in Dallas on Monday Night Football after they, you know, go down and have a touchdown drive. Like that's killer. And there's so many plays, and it reminds me of Nick Foles when one of my biggest issues with Nick Foles earlier on in his career is he left so many plays on the field. And Jalen Hurts is doing the same thing. They're like, are throws to be made where he's like, so the one example that came out from the Cowboys game where Devontae Smith was just like had a lot more separation from his defender and was like, would have been an easier throw for Jalen Hurts underneath. But for some reason, he forces it to Zach Hurts. 
And it's weird because he kind of, he kind of did the opposite thing. I don't know if you remember this on a play to his left against the 49ers in week two, where, uh, it was actually Dallas Goddard who's like wide open underneath basically for a first down. And he makes this like tougher throw mm-hmm. to Devontae Smith, who's like covered on like what I don't, I don't understand what he's seeing on some of these plays. So it's that. It's the accuracy issues that are like, obviously uh, causing – so the, the pick six was a big issue. And there was uh, another throw that could have been picked off um, that was like wide of, I believe, Zach Ertz. So there's just too many issues here for me to fully believe like this can all be cleaned up and he's going to be a top quarterback in the league. Because that's the bar, Jimmy. Like you can't just – it's not just enough for like Jalen Hurts to be yes. improve and he's like a solid starter. No, that's not the goal. Like if that's the goal, then like – Okay, then you must be not happy with winning championships because you're not going to win a championship with like just a solid starter. Like, look at the best quarterbacks in the NFL today, like Mahomes, and you know, obviously Brady is still around, and even like some of the ascending guys, like Herbert. Like, like a solid quarterback isn't be good enough to beat those guys. Like, you need a guy who can make a difference. I don't think Jalen Hurts is enough of a difference maker. Yeah, I think if you don't have like a, I don't want to set, I don't, I don't want to set like a bar in terms of like top whatever NFL quarterback. That's for the sake of argument. Like if you don't have like a top 10 to 12 kind of quarterback in the NFL, then I think you're always going to be searching for one. And uh, I don't know that, you know, Hertz is going to get there. Like, Oh, I'll, I'll compare it. Like you mentioned Justin Herbert. I think another guy that like, so we're recording this on Friday morning. Did you watch the Thursday night game Bengals and, uh, and Jaguars? Yeah. Like, did you watch Joe Burrow in that game? Like he yeah. was legitimately like, like you, you can look, you can see the way that he played. Granted, Trevor Lawrence against, too. It's against, the, it's against the Jaguars. So like, you know, factor that in or whatever, but you can see like the throws that he's making in that game. You're like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like that guy's going to be really good at some point. Um, I don't know that we've seen enough of that from, from Hertz in the uh, seven or whatever starts that he's had so far in the NFL here. And he's got the rest of the season, in my opinion, to, to show what he can do. Um, they're not going to bench him for Gardner Minshew. Like, that's crazy. That doesn't help in any way, short term or long term. Unless he has like five more games like he just did. Yeah, if he's just night, horrible yeah. and like right. it's, it's unwatchable, then yeah, they'll, they'll bench him, I guess. But right. um, if, as long as like he's, you know, keeping, as long as like he's keeping them in games and you're, you're going to give him an opportunity to show what he can do. If for no other reason than for, you know, for trade value, I guess if you're going to, if you're going to go that route. But, um, yeah, I, I agree that like I, I would, I think the likelihood that the Eagles, uh, you know, think of him that way, the, as like the, the guy in 2022 and beyond is very, very low. And, uh, in my opinion, they're going to go after uh, a quarterback next year. Whether that's a veteran already in the league or it's a rookie that they take in the draft with, you know, the, you know, assorted number, you know, high number of uh, early picks that they're going to have. Uh, I think that's probably the most likely outcome next offseason. And their picks are looking good. I mean, early on in the season, we'll see mm-hmm. how that goes. But I think if the season ended today, which it doesn't, that's what I always like to say, they'd be picking like what, third, six, and whatever the Eagles pick. 10, is I, I think forget. it was, yeah, three, six, and 10. And so, obviously, if the Colts are <laughs> as bad as they are, they're not going to allow the Eagles to get that pick, right? I mean, like, they're going to bench Carson Wentz if it's, like, late in the season and they're looking like they're definitely going to get, like, a top five, ten pick, like, right? It's fun doing, like, the draft simulators when uh, when they're picking three, six, and ten or, or whatever it is. You wind up with, like, three, like, you know, real, like, obviously stud prospects. Uh, anyway, or, the thing I would, the well, other, the last thing I'll say, or like great assets to trade for a quarter. Like if you want, like a quarter, if you want Russell yeah. Wilson, like, like, like what's, how are you, how is it like the Seahawks going to say no to like, like a really good strong offer like that? But anyway, I wouldn't do that, but whatever. Oh well, yeah. Just an, <laughs> just an example. Just an yeah. example. 
So the other thing from that game was the absurd number of penalties, which uh, not not just from that game, but from the first three weeks of the season, they've 35 of them so far. So you extrapolate that over uh, a full season and they're at 198. Um, The Raiders own the record for the most number of penalties in a season, uh, which I forget the exact number. I want to say it's 163. It's definitely low 160s. So they are on pace to absolutely shatter that record. And the penalties have just been, the penalties have actually been up uh, league-wide, but there are just far, far too many mistakes that this team is making, uh, you know, both during plays. Like there's been some, like, illegal men downfield and that kind of thing that's, uh, you know, maybe scheme-wise or uh, you maybe put some blame on the offensive lineman or Jalen Hurts on those. But there's too many pre-snap penalties, too. And they're just unforced errors, and you can't have them when you already don't have uh, enough talent to to sort of match with a lot of these opponents that you're going to be playing. Um, so I don't know if that's it. Like, is that a big coaching concern to you? I think it could speak to the fact that it's a very young coaching staff, and a lot of coaches are in positions that's that fair. they haven't been in before and for the first time, and or just haven't been around the league a lot. Like, they're it's a young, it's a very young, inexperienced coaching staff. And it kind of reminds me of a lot of this kind of makes me think about what Jeffrey Lurie said to Nick Sirianni in his phone call, apparently when he hired him. And it's like, we can't wait to see the coach you will become. <laughs> right. Like like talking right. about kind of like the growing and the accepting that this is something that might take some time. So, I mean, that, that seems like the kind of optimistic view of it. Um, I don't think it's all in the coaching because obviously like you have someone like Derek Barnett who kind of just continues to do stupid stuff out there. What was the quote that Jim Schwartz used to say? You do you do enough thing, uh, dumbass things, and eventually yeah. <laughs> you're going to be labeled a dumbass, right? Um, so that was in reference uh, to Nigel Bradham uh, after yeah. he after his uh, arrests for uh, the, the umbrella incident and for the gun oh, at he, the he, airport. The gun went through. He put a gun through the uh, metal detector at the airport. <laughs> so yeah, that's where it comes down to. To me, what about you? Um. On the penalties, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a problem. I mean, they're they're on pace well, to shatter to shatter the record, but yeah, I think I think your point is 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 uh, is a good one that it's a young coaching. I didn't even consider that, but um, yeah, it's it is a young coaching staff, and I think you're gonna have what what is your you're gonna have those issues in my opinion. But what what is your is there a non-zero chance that Nick Z- Nick Sirianni only lasts one year? Wow. I like this question coming up out of the blue. Um, not even on the sheet. Jimmy just throwing this at me. Yeah. Uh, there's a non-zero chance, yeah. Because, I, well, I mean, look, there was a there was a decent chance that Doug Peterson wasn't going to be back after yes. one year, um, and he went seven I, and nine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and I think if I remember at the end of that season, I think those were like five and nine. They won their last two games. And I remember thinking, like, Doug could be gone, especially because I think this was after the Bengals game, too. And I think at the time, I was like, he, they, the Eagles need to the show The Bengals something. was the low light of the season that year. Yeah. And, like, and they needed to show some, something after that game. And I felt like that saved Doug's job. And they did. They won their last two games. Um, I feel like a lot of people, I think, are thinking, like, okay, the season, realistically, the Eagles aren't going to make the playoffs. They're not going to be great. But maybe there's some hope towards the end of the season and they'll kind of finish the season strong, and then you can kind of feel good about that going into next year. Well, I mean, that's, that is a possibility, yes, but what, what about the possibility that they're just really, really bad? and More guys get seeing, hurt. More guys are getting hurt. Well, I mean, that's kind of out of Sirianni's control. But yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it can, I mean, but if, if more yeah, guys get contribute. hurt and, and the record is what it is. Right. 
Uh, so yeah, non-zero chance. Yeah, absolutely. Like you look at you look at the schedule coming up. Uh, obviously, they got the Chiefs this week, and then they're at Carolina, Tampa at home, at Vegas. So you're looking at two three and zero teams in Vegas and Carolina, and the, the last two teams. Super Bowl participants. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get, then you go to then you go to Detroit, but then thereafter you got the Chargers and you got the undefeated Broncos on the road. And then the Saints. So, like, it's a pretty brutal schedule coming up. And, like, are they going to be favored in any of those games? Like, are they are they even going to be favored in Detroit? Maybe not. I don't know. Lions, you know, they've been scrappy. They're not like a they're not like a pushover. Um, yeah, here we are, Jimmy. Three weeks <laughs> in, and, uh, early beacon of positivity. So, before we take our first break, let's just uh, quickly. Uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the uh, wide receivers too. I've and- one last thing on Sirianni. Sorry, okay. um, I don't think like you fire him. I don't, like, I think I don't think that he'd be fired to hire like another version of him. Like, I think if you're if he is gone, it's because like they really think they can get Lincoln Riley or something. Like, okay, because they That's can fair. get like the coach. Like, they really, really like you know, like a like the big name which i don't think they can so they search behind the scenes behind his back and then if they know yep. they can get like him, they then... did with doug after 2016 <laughs> right. yeah. yeah so anyway to, to be clear uh maybe a little premature talking about that like let's give him a chance to you know show what he sure. can do too uh i'm the one that brought up the question of course uh but you know just looking ahead all right your thoughts non-zero on... you said not like likely you said non-zero you're yeah, right non-zero um, point, point one is more than zero your thoughts on the wide receiver trio of Devontae Smith, Jalen okay. Rager, Quez Watkins. Well, I think Jalen Rager is really good, Jimmy. I've changed my <laughs> mind. He's amazing because he had four yards or four catches for 46 yards in garbage time. So I pulled up the stat, Jimmy. Jalen Rager this year, if you take out garbage time, which I have defined as the Eagles being up or down by 20 points, the game is clearly in hand. It's late in the game or later in the game. Uh, Jalen Rager, if you take all that out, Jalen Rager has eight catches for 40 yards and zero touchdowns this year. So great stuff. Love to see that. Uh, Justin Jefferson killing it in Minnesota. Monte Rager tweeting at me in my DMs uh, saying that, how dare you say, basically, that Jalen Rager should not be playing as much. I mean, it's crazy to me that he led the team in targets on Monday night. Like, how was that happening? Like, Jalen Rager should not be leading the Eagles. He had eight. Quest Watkins had two. Quest Watkins is getting four fewer, or I should say it the other way around. Jalen Rager is getting four times the amount of targets as Quest Watkins. That doesn't make sense to me. Quez is really good. Jimmy, we saw it in training camp. It's not like a fluke. And he's and to the Eagles coaching staff credit a little bit, Quez Watkins' playing time has increased each week, but it should be higher. It he's the be best receiver on the team right now, in my opinion. He, he is. I still really like Devontae Smith, although I've been kind of a little bit disappointed in him. I think we've seen a little bit more impact. I don't think Uh-oh. it's all on him. Uh-oh. Well, no, I'm not jumping ship. <laughs> I'm saying like we need to start seeing results sooner. I do think he would have had a big week too if Jalen Hurts didn't freaking miss him on those deep shots. Like that that was on that was he an, did on have an early Smith. opportunity, yes. Like he was behind the defense and if the quarterback throws too. the ball. Yeah, and I guess you could say that with Rager on the you know the touchdown or the interception that was thrown early in the game Monday night. Although you know Rager doesn't, I didn't see as much hands. separation on that as I did on the on the okay. ones. Well, and Rager doesn't have the best hands anyway, so it's not like a hundred percent guarantee. Speaking that catch, we we haven't seen him be reliable on that. Um, so still not feeling great about Rager. Don't feel like he's turned a corner at all. Uh, Quez needs to play more, and Devonte. I I just want to see more. I know there's more there. What about you? Yeah, I think Devontae's been a little disappointing, frankly. Um, sure. And, 
I, I, I've been asked about like, is there a concern about his ability to make contested catches? And that's not really his game to begin with. Like he's going to win with his great route running and, and his hands and all that kind of stuff and his speed, which I think is a little underrated. Um, and you know, he's just a really polished receiver in my opinion, which, um, which should kind of lead to more production as a rookie coming into the league as an already polished receiver. Uh, but obviously the, you know, part of his game is going to be tied to the quarterback play. And when the quarterback play isn't well-equipped to just drop back and be kind of a pocket passer, then, you know, I think that receivers like him, you know, could suffer in some ways. So, um, you know, I, obviously we're only three games deep and he's made some plays. So, uh, you know, you don't want to, I don't want to, criticize him or anything like that, like give him a chance to show what he can do. But um, yeah, uh, Quez Watkins has to play more and he's, he's got to be playing yeah. more than Rager, obviously. And um, you got to get him more opportunities because that is a guy that when they've gone to him, he's made plays. Like he's actually making plays that you don't expect players to make. So, you know, get, uh, get Quez in there and, and give him more opportunities. I don't care if he's drafted in the, in the sixth round yep. and Jalen Rager was drafted in the first, he should be playing more than Jalen Rager because he's better. That's the only reason to me why Rager is playing more right now. It really is, which is frustrating to see. Um, on Devante, I do think the quarterback thing is relevant. I mean, think about the quarterback he had last year when he had this, you know, amazing seat. It's Mac Jones and Mac Jones and Jalen Hurts are very different style quarterbacks, mm-hmm. I would say. So I think that definitely, uh, is a factor. And it's weird to think about because like you think in your head, Oh, Devante Smith and Jalen Hurts, they played together at Alabama for a little bit. Like, you know, they're, they, they're made for each other. They're a good fit already. But like, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I don't think the style of quarterback that Jalen Hurts is necessarily maximizes Devontae Smith, which isn't like to defend Devontae Smith because I mean, when you take a guy at 10, you're not looking like to find him the quarter, the perfect quarterback for him to be productive. Like he has to produce no matter what quarterback he has there. If you're taking him that high and you're trading, you're saying he's Ben Simmons. Uh, what? Who? He's got to have Devontae the perfect Smith? situation around him to, to, to <laughs> no. perform. This is definitely not what I'm he saying. He can't play. I'm, Devontae Smith can't play with Embiid. No, I'm saying like maybe that's why his numbers <laughs> have popped. <laughs> yeah, I kidding. know you are, but I just want to make it clear to the listeners that that is not the case. All right, let's take a break here. Uh, Jimmy, before we take a break, righteous felon craft jerky. Righteousfelon.com. You want to go to that website and get yourself some. Righteous Felon Craft Jerky or their Biltong, which I am particularly fond of because it's like softer than the jerky, more tender, I would say. The jerky's good too, don't get me wrong. And they have the meat tubes too. And there's non-meat snacks that they have available at RighteousFelon.com. So you can check out all of that and you can have some snacks to eat while you are watching these Eagles games and maybe hopefully more enjoyably than they were on Monday night. We'll see. Uh, or some of the other games, if you don't want to watch the Eagles, you know, Monday Night Football, Perfect Snack, uh, Thursday Night Football, whatever. So go to RighteousFelon.com, use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. You're going to enjoy these snacks, and you're going to love them. It's going to be the best thing you have going for you in your entire life. Jimmy. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on BGN Radio. Bleeding Green Nation Radio. Jimmy, now what? Uh, so let's look ahead to the Chiefs. <laughs> I think a lot of people are um, kind of uh, dismissing this game already as a uh, certain blowout loss. And uh, I certainly will be picking uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, over the Eagles when we get to the pick section. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I took a look at this Chiefs team and, um, you know, they're not as good as I thought they were. Like certainly we all, we've all seen our share of Chiefs games. All right. So we all know the names. Patrick Mahomes, obviously like if he's not the best quarterback in the NFL, then he's, he's at least the most talented quarterback in the NFL. Uh, Tyreek Hill, maybe the fastest guy in the NFL, huge big time playmaker, wide receiver. And then Travis Kelsey, uh, in my opinion, still the best tight end in the NFL. Uh, certainly the best pass catching, uh, playmaking type. Well, maybe Waller's kind of creeping up on him, but whatever. Uh, major, major weapon, uh, at tight end in their offense. Those are the big three, uh, that, that sort of, you know, make that engine run in Kansas City. And, uh, Jonathan Gannon, Gannon made the point that, um, to defend those guys, you gotta defend quote unquote every blade of grass. And I think that's a good way of putting it because they challenge you both horizontally and vertically, vertically. And if you look at like, we, you know, we, we've seen like the spray charts for like Jalen Hurts, uh, through the first three weeks. And, you know, that's a heavy, you see like a lot of passes going to the right side of the field, not as much to the left side of the field and very little in the middle. <laughs> so like, you know, we, we've sort of seen the Eagles offense be limited in terms of like where they can, operate uh in in you know in all parts of the field like they're challenged in the in, in, in the intermediate areas of the field they will take their deep shots but uh it, they, they're not really working the the middle of the field on Mahomes' spray chart uh so to speak it's everywhere like i mean there's just no um there's there's really there's really when you look at it there's like really no like area of the field that you can pinpoint no pattern of like, you know, where he likes to go. It's just, there's dots all over the field and it's because they're so like, they're so difficult to defend with, with Kelsey, 
being able to work every area of the field. Uh, Tyreek Hill being such a being you know probably the biggest deep threat in the NFL uh, at this at this stage of his career and, and and what the league is right now. If Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's a who's a weapon out of the backfield uh, as a receiver, um, offensive line kind of going through a transition phase, but um, you know that offense is obviously like super dynamic and can pose all kinds of problems for a defense. That's sort of stating the obvious when looking at this game, but they do have their share of concerns uh, and, and weaknesses, in my opinion. And I'll get to the defense in a minute with their run defense. But I think offensively, the one thing that you can kind of pinpoint uh, as a thing to attack is they have a center and a right guard who are both rookies. Uh, the center is uh, the second round pick of theirs. I think it was 63rd overall Creed Humphrey uh, out of Oklahoma. And then uh, at right guard, a guy that I really liked a lot. I can't believe he lasted even until the sixth round was uh, Trey Smith, uh, who came out of Tennessee sixth round, I think 223rd uh, overall. So those two guys are going to be tasked with uh, having to deal with uh, Javon Hargrave, uh, who has had a monster uh, first three weeks of the season. He's got 18 tackles, <clears throat> excuse me, four sacks, uh, like six QB hits. He's just been devastating on the uh, interior. He's been like the best player by far on this team, in my opinion. And then Fletcher Cox, who has been kind of, I don't want to say invisible, but he hasn't, you know, he hasn't made any plays really. Like he had a, a a ball kind of pop up in the air on a forced fumble by Hargrave against the Cowboys. It sort of landed in his arms for a touchdown. Uh, but if the Eagles are going to affect uh, Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs offense, they're going to have to do it up the middle, like right in his face, and sort of disrupt like what they like to do. Um, that's that's their only chance, in my opinion, to to stop this Chiefs offense. And again, because they have those two rookies on the interior, uh, they, they're maybe positioned to do that. Jimmy, you idiot. Trey <laughs> Smith was taken at 226. Ah, 223. I'm fired. Lied to the listeners. You're fired. <laughs> um, to your point about Fletcher Cox, I mean, I, I've been harping on this for a long time now, but like, when are we going to see Fletcher Cox like take a game over again? And now, in fairness to him, apparently he was dealing with an illness last week that like caused him to not be able to like eat for four days. Oh, yeah, that's true. He lost yep. weight. That's fair. And like, okay, so like, I kind of give you, like, I, I understand that, but. And for that game specifically, but when we zoom out again, because I'm always a big picture guy, Jimmy, like this is a player who has one sack and one quarterback hit in his last seven games now. Last seven games. This is your top paid player on the team. Like you're paying Fletcher, Fletcher Cox to be an elite difference maker for you. And he really hasn't done anything like that. And like, when is the last time Fletcher Cox like took a game over? I don't want to hear about the double teams. Like the double teams, that's nice and all, but like you don't pay a guy just to take on extra attention. You pay yeah. him to like make plays and like wreck a game. And now he had like you know, Hargrave. <laughs> yes, exactly. And our, to, to, you know, to Javon Hargrave's credit, he's doing that. And I think some of, you know, Fletcher Cox's presence helps Javon Hargrave, but like that's not enough. You can't, again, you can't just be like a decoy out there. Like that's, that's not good enough. You have to produce too. Cause again, as I said last week, <clears throat> if you look at all the other top interior defenders, like I, you can't tell me that they're never getting double teamed mm-hmm. and they're producing as well. And Fletcher Cox isn't. And that's a big problem. And to this point, Jimmy, this made me kind of look at the Eagles top 10, uh, like cap hits on their team this year. Can I, I'll read those for you really quick. Okay. Um, Fletcher Cox, number one, underproducing, right? Oh, for sure. Oh, you're uh, so yeah, yeah, I got it. Oh, yes. Underproducing. Yes. Zach Ertz, he is has his third lowest total uh, in terms of yards per game this season. It's around like thirty one. Like okay, underproducing. Yes, game. yeah. Lane Johnson, I think he's he's, he's, he's been fine. Obviously, yeah, really good starting left tackle. You're getting what you're paying for. Uh, maybe even a little bit of a bargain. Darius Slay, 
Darius Slay, with one interception in 18 games for the Eagles so far, also is allowing 117.5 pass rating this season, according to Pro Football oh, Reference. Yeah? Okay. I don't think. I don't think Darius Slay has been bad, but you're paying him to be a difference maker, and I don't really see him like making like a giant difference for the defense out there. I'll say this for Slay: he's now, and this happens when whenever you change over uh, one coaching staff to another, they're not asking him to do what he's best at, which is play man defense. He's playing a lot of zone, which doesn't sort of translate to his skill set. Which whatever, I mean, there, there should be no excuses when you're paying a guy like like right. uh, like they're paying him. But I think that actually the secondary's been okay. Like he, I mean, we we talked last week during the podcast that they gave up at that point one or was it still none uh passes of no that one, one. it was just the one to Debo Samuel mm-hmm. uh, uh one pass of over uh, 20 yards in the season and then Cowboys really didn't I guess they had the one to CD to uh Blake Jarwin and I don't know if I'm missing one but they've been they've been I think that the secondary has been okay obviously they've been put in a better position to stop those deeper passing plays and their run defense has suffered as a result. Uh, it's sort of the opposite of the way that Jim Schwartz ran his defense where they were going to stop the run come, you know, come hell or high water. They were willing to give up some of those bigger plays. It's been the opposite here with Jonathan Gannon. I'm saying, I'm not saying that like one approach is better than the other. Personally, I think Gannon's approach is probably more ideal, but um, mm-hmm. uh, Slay uh, again, on the whole, I think their, their secondary has been fine. But I'm with you, certainly has underperformed his contract. He hasn't been a difference maker. He's not been an elite difference maker. Mm-hmm. I think he's been good or fine, whatever. He hasn't been not. big play slay. He, no, he's like, no, you can't even argue he has. Again, one interception in 18 games. Like, that's just not, to me, that's not what you're looking for when you're paying a guy like elite cornerback money and you're trading draft picks to do it. Okay. So Javon Hargrave, obviously outperforming. Crush. That's five. It. Yes. Uh, Jason Kelsey, I don't, I, I guess, fine. Like, normal. Not like I wouldn't say he's outperforming. He's, um, uh, I think he's looked a little shaky, actually. Yeah. Um, okay. And you kind of expect that he's getting, you know, way up there in age. Thirty-three. So be thirty-four <laughs> in November. Um, but uh, you know, he's still fine. Devontae Smith is six underproducing, but you know, he's a rookie. It's not like the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andre Dillard, who you said had a good game, Jimmy, <laughs> best game of his career against the Cowboys. He's the now. seventh highest cap hit on the team. Yes, he is. <laughs> Yeah, so I, I and I did want to touch on him. Uh, actually, uh, maybe that's the time to do that. He's got sure. like he had a matchup uh, against the Cowboys in which, as we mentioned earlier, they're missing seven defensive linemen, one of whom was Demarcus Lawrence. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence normally rushes off the right side of the offensive line. Uh, so he normally is going up against Lane Johnson. I wonder if that would have changed in this game if he were available. They would have just said, you know, go kill Andre Dillard in this game. But uh, with the personnel that they were left with, uh, they had basically Micah Parsons and they had uh, Randy Gregory uh, going up against Dillard. And they didn't challenge him at all, really, um, in, in terms of trying to execute power rushes against him, which is, you know, Dillard's, you know, obvious and uh, most glaring uh, weakness is being a- able to anchor against those power rushes. It was a lot of finesse rushes. And to Dillard's credit, like he can mirror and match guys all day, like his his feet. And this is why they drafted him. Like his his feet are phenomenal, and he's got plenty of athleticism. Like he was great. <laughs> Not, I don't want to say great, but he was he was he looked really good blocking those guys. But the real test is going to come when he's got to anchor against power. And there's one guy. 
uh, on the Cowboys. One, it was one pass rusher. I think it was Chauncey Golston, uh, a rookie of theirs. I think they took him in the third round. He was like the only guy that tested him on a power rush and he kind of walked him right back into the pocket. Like, and, uh, Hertz escaped to the right and I think he threw on the run or whatever. But, um, it was the one time that like somebody actually tried to run through him as opposed to around him and, uh, it worked. So, um, in this Chiefs matchup upcoming, you have a guy in Frank Clark who, uh, missed week one and he missed week three for the Chiefs. He did play in week two against the Ravens. He's got a hamstring injury. Uh, he was a limited participant in practice. Again, we're recording this on Friday morning. We don't know what his uh, official designation is going to be for this game, whether he's questionable, doubtful, out, etc. cetera. Uh, but if he plays, that'll be a much stiffer challenge for Dillard. That guy is sort of um, a speed rusher that you'd think that like Dillard uh, Dillard's more well equipped to handle speed rushers than he is power rushers and Clark is more of a speed rusher than he is a power guy but what he is is like you think back like to the old Andy Reid days where you know fans got tired of hearing this word but guys that have like Fast a great ball. quote unquote motor and okay. uh and like that is Frank Clark like that is a guy that is just like you know hair on fire just coming at you on every single play and if Dillard's got to go up against that guy for like 60 snaps on Sunday, then, you know, it could be uh, a pretty long day for him. So uh, whether Frank Clark plays or not is going to be uh, a huge factor in this game, in my opinion, because if he doesn't, the Chiefs don't have much in the way of uh, defensive line depth. Um, and then they also have Chris Jones, who I guess I'll mention here, who is a stud like interior pass rusher. All I think it was a second team all pro each of the last two years. And you have him going up against some kind of combination of uh, offensive guards. Well, they've been using Chris Jones on the edge, too. Yeah, so he has been playing a little bit of a right defensive. It actually makes sense for the Chiefs to tag team Dillard with uh, with Chris Jones and Frank Clark, show him two different sets, two different kinds of uh, players, sort of like the Vikings did uh, in 2019 when, you know, they had uh, – Daniel Hunter and uh, Everson Griffin uh, tag teaming Dillard at that game did not go so well for Dillard. So that makes sense. But on the interior, the Eagles have some concerns there. Like Landon Dickerson has not played well, in my opinion, uh, in, in his two games he has played in. Yeah. PFF's worst blocking pass blocking efficiency. Rating Is that right? For whatever that's worth. And I think it's because I forget the numbers I had, but he's allowed like something like nine pressures and 70 snaps. Like it's, it's really bad. Yeah, he's been bad as a pass protector. He's been okay in the in in the run game, I guess. <laughs> like uh we Who wouldn't knows? know we wouldn't know from the Cowboys game, but I think he was a little better uh in in the Niners game as a run blocker anyway. But yeah, so like to be determined like what their configuration will be at guard, I personally think that uh they'll activate uh Jack Driscoll from IR and he'll play right guard and they'll move Landon Dickerson over from right guard to left guard, but who it doesn't matter. Like wherever they are and you know whoever whoever is playing and wherever they where wherever they're playing like Chris Jones has a chance to sort of wreck the game on that interior and i think they got to double him all day you know when when he's inside there i think Dillard has another favorable matchup um in that like you said i, I don't even know if Frank Clark is going to play and if he does you know he still might be hampered yeah, yeah by, right exactly it's a hamstring injury uh, so it's not like it's right. like a hand or something like that mm-hmm. whatever uh, Kansas City ranks 30th in pass rush grade by PFF, and they're 29 in sacks, 29th in sacks per game. And you can like 
take all that out, you can see how they would have a lack of pressure because they are tied for allowing the most points in the NFL. The Chiefs are like their defense <laughs> right. is not very good. Like clearly yeah. they're not great at rushing the passer. So I think it's kind of a very fortuitous stretch here for Mr. Andre Dillard. Like he's not like the, the Micah Parsons thing is crazy. Like how many left tackles are getting that easy of a matchup in terms of just from like, you know, a guy who's playing linebacker and he's 246 or whatever he is. And like that's the that's the top edge rusher you're facing. Like, he actually played pretty break. well against the Chargers. Parsons did, yeah. but the the type of player that he is, like he's not going to overpower anyone. It just played right into right into Dillard's right. strengths. Yeah, it couldn't be it couldn't be like more ideal. You couldn't have asked <laughs> yes. realistically for like a more ideal matchup. Other Trade than, him, like, maybe yeah. <laughs> sell, well, sell all I mean. his stock like, is high. <laughs> well, honestly, like if he has another good game this week, like yeah, and my lot should, is ready they to really come back. Should. We joke, like, but they should. Yeah, yeah, like like sell high. I mean, it's it's never the value's never going to get higher than this. Yes. Like I, I'm sorry, but I do not believe in this. Is like Andre Dillard. <laughs> oh, actually, he actually is good, and we were just too harsh on him all along. Like, no, I think it's clearly he's getting favorable matchups and he's taking advantage of them. And I would very much not bet because like what you're talking about there with the finesse too, and what we saw in training camp when he was struggling is that like. He starts to overcompensate when he starts to like lose on the bull yes. rush and everything. And then, because there were plays where like he would, that would happen. He'd get beaten by the bull rush. And all of a sudden, like Josh Sweat is beating him, not with power, but with speed instead, because right. Lord like is getting like, cause he's trying to overcompensate for that. So, um, you know, we'll see how that holds up here. Obviously, uh, Jordan Mailata will not be playing in this game. Uh, and you mentioned the interior and we don't know what the interior our offensive line necessarily is going to look like too, because, you know, with Smallow out, um, you know, last week the Eagles had, uh, Nate Herbig just come in for him mm-hmm. and they had Lynn Dickerson at right guard still, but Jack Driscoll is potentially eligible to be activated or he is eligible, I should mm-hmm. say, to be activated from IR. It doesn't guarantee he will be, but he is now eligible to be. So it's, I guess, possible that the Eagles could put him at right guard and then move Dickerson over to left guard if they really wanted to do that. Um, or maybe Dickerson isn't in there at all, which I would be surprised. I don't think that would be the case, but, uh, if, they just think he's been struggling so bad. In theory, they could take him out and put uh, Herbig at left guard and and Driscoll at right guard. So, uh, yeah, we'll see about that one. But um, be pretty concerning, Jimmy, to me if this Eagles offense can't get anything going, like they haven't been mm-hmm. able really to the past two weeks against this Chiefs defense. Like this Chiefs defense is bad. It's not good. If they're if they're not if they're not able to score like twenty something points, like I, I don't I don't know. Like that's a failure. That's a big big like embarrassing look for them. Yeah, their their corners are uh, sort of a trouble area too. Like when they go to nickel, um, uh, I guess their starters are, oh man, uh, Sneed and um, uh, the guy they signed from Minnesota. Oh, my, uh, Mike Hughes, uh, because they uh, Char- Charter- Chartavius, what's his name? Chavarius Ward. Yeah, so he's hurt. He might, he might, he may or not, pl- he may or may not play. But when they've gone to uh, nickel. Uh, I think it's been Sneed that moves uh, into the slot, and then remember DeAndre Baker, who the who the uh, the Giants drafted, and then they they cut after like he there was a report that he like stuck up a house in Florida with uh, <laughs> Quentin Dunbar. I think it's a crazy offseason story, um, and they forced the basically forced the Giants to 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 cut him. He landed with the Chiefs, but he has not played well. Uh, he didn't play well when he was with the Giants uh, originally, but that's a guy that they can maybe pick on if um, uh, Chartavius can't go. Uh, but the big concern for me, if I'm the Chiefs, is also the run defense. And uh, you know, you mentioned their their inability to, to get after the passer so far this year. Well, they've been equally bad 
uh, stopping the run. Rushing yards allowed, they're 31st. Yards per carry allowed, 5.4. That's 30th. Uh, Rushing touchdowns allowed, 7. That's worse in the NFL. Uh, Rushes of 20-plus yards, uh, they're tied for 31st. They're actually tied for worst in the league on that. Rushing first downs allowed, they've allowed 30. That's worst in the NFL. And then the percentage of rushes uh, against them resulting in a first round uh, is also worst in the NFL. So they're arguably the worst run defense in the NFL through these first three weeks. So uh, if, you know, note to Nick Sirianni whispers, uh, run it more than three times this week, Nick, please. Yeah, maybe early on, too. Do you think yeah, b- do before that? you get down yeah. by 21 and, and you're, when you're talking in your press conference again, oh, it's just the way the game went. Yeah, run it before that happens. And again, like, I'm a- not like some, uh, you know, run the ball, like, uh, hey, you got to run the ball in the NFL. You got you to gotta ram it down their throats and you got <laughs> you to gotta impose your will on their defense and they'll hope you got to establish the run. This is a really good impression. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think Brandon or I or anything like that guy, uh, but when it sort of, you know, kind of plays to the strength of your personnel and the other team can't stop it and you maybe want to, uh, you know, protect your, your quarterback from, from putting too much pressure on him to go out and win the game, eh, maybe running the ball makes a little bit of sense in a game like this. How much do you buy that? Jeffrey Lurie and or Harry Roseman are influencing Nick Sirianni. I think there's no. definitely some of that going on. Not uh, running the ball. because and He's been I mean, asked about that a couple times too already. I mean, Sorry. like how could you not when you see that story <laughs> from last year or, or multiple stories about, you know, the Athletic put one out. I think there's another one from McLean, McLean or whatever yeah. that uh, Doug Peterson was like criticized after the Eagles beat the Packers and, and, and the Bills too. And they <laughs> right. ran the ball a lot. In those two, games. They're two best games of the year. Yeah, that uh, in 2019. Yeah, so uh, so you buy it a little bit, maybe, or more than not. I buy all? it more than a little bit. Okay, non-zero chance, like we talked about. Um, yeah, so it's pretty embarrassing to me if the Eagles can't get things going offensively. I agree, they should be running the ball. Uh, another question for you: How much does he like run the ball early on in like a pandering way? Because you've you know <laughs> seen the pandering thing. Is he is he like is the opening drive like eight straight runs? I do think he's going to run it early. I, I really okay. don't. I don't know if it'll be yeah. Like I don't how think much he'll... money do you want? Do you want to bet the first play is a run play <laughs> on Sunday? Uh, I'll take action on that. I think it's going to yeah. be a pass. I Same. think it'll come out pass just to oh, show like really? he's yeah he's going to show like oh, I'm not you know I'm not you know you're not gonna, you're not the boss of me. I'm going to come All out right. here and pass and then and then I'll run it thereafter. What do you want to what right. do you want to bet on that? We'll bet five dollars on that. Okay. A big five bucks. There was um, uh, one time, just a very quick story here, mm-hmm. uh, in the press box before uh, a game during the chip era. It's re- very rare to see like uh, any kind of coach like go into the you know our area, the press box. But Pat Shermer was in there like grabbing food, and uh, I just happened to be standing right next to him. And I go, uh, "What's the first play of the game, Pat?" And he goes, "Run." <laughs> and that was it that's all he said and sure enough it was a run play <laughs> what a scoop you should yeah, have tweeted it out should have, have, yeah. had an exclusive story uh, uh, alright um, okay I think that's all I had Jimmy why don't we wrap up this segment before we get to our picks do you have anything else you want to tell me before we throw it to a break yes Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors roachrealtors.com is the was named uh, the best realtor uh, in the universe by the official association of 
of realtors that doesn't exist. Uh, her phone number, if you are looking to buy or sell your home, is 856-906-9295. Again, 856-906-9295. Brandon? We will be back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, Back here on BGN Radio. For our final segment of the week, it's always a fun time, Jimmy. We are doing our NFL picks against the spread, which maybe you wonder, like, why do why do I care about what these guys are picking? Well, it's not just about the picks. It's about the preview of things that are relevant to the Eagles and what's happening here. So in that vein, Jimmy, I always like to start with the NFC East. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with the New York football giants, who are 0-3 right now. and have the toughest remaining schedule in the NFL. Is that right? Yes. Even in the NFC East, huh? What's that? I said even in the NFC East, huh? Yep. Hmm. If you look at their next seven games. Oh, I know it's brutal. Yeah, come on. Yeah, it's brutal. They honestly might start out 0-10. It's very, (laughs) it's like very entirely feasible that they can start out 0-10. You don't have to really like stretch that. Uh, So, although I do think if you're looking for one of their more winnable ones from that tough schedule, it could be in New Orleans against the Saints. The Saints are seven-point favorites. Who do you have? Saints. Yeah, I mean, this Giants team is trash. And so I'll just read off their opponents, by the way, as long as as you mentioned it. Uh, Well, first of all, their first three games, like they had pretty easy opponents. I mean, Denver isn't, but it was Denver at home, and then it was at Washington, a game they blew. And then, uh, of course, they lost to the Falcons uh, at home week three. Upcoming, they have at Saints, at Cowboys, Rams, Panthers, at Chiefs, Raiders, at Buccaneers. Holy yep. crap. That is brutal. And then they get their rematch game at home uh, against the Eagles <laughs> week 12. Super Bowl. When, as you mentioned, you know, they, they could be 0-10. They're 0-10? Joe Judge is probably already fired. He never gets his chance to to get his revenge on the Eagles. <laughs> that's going to be their biggest game of the season. Like, that's yes. the game. <laughs> We we did it. We proved we proved the <laughs> Eagles wrong. Uh, so you t- you're taking the Saints. I think I have to as well. But like the only thing that concerns me is Jameis. I think is very volatile. I think it's entirely possible sure. he could go out and have like a five interception game. Like that's that possibility exists on a weekly basis. So that's why I say like if there is a winnable game, maybe it's this one just because of the unknown Jameis factor. But I mean, outside of that, I just, I don't like, how could you take the giants? What are they going for them that you feel good about? So, well, here's what I'll say about Jameis. Like, sorry to cut you off his first three games. You know what his passing numbers are? Like his yardage numbers Yards are, yeah, they're really low. 148, 111 and 128. He's a week one. (laughs) 
<laughs> but and that goes against like what he was in Tampa. Well, like he had like crazy yardage numbers the, his last year in Tampa when he had like over thirty interceptions. But you know what that tells me? It tells me that their head coach knows how to play towards you know to his strengths and sort of you know limit his sort of like their own shade over here, Jimmy. <laughs> play away from his weaknesses. Uh, so I, I think uh, Jameis was fortunate to land in uh, in New Orleans with uh, a head coach like Sean Payton who can do that for him. Sounds like you're trying to say something about Nick Sirianni. <laughs> um, why don't we go to the football team who are one and a half point favorites in Atlanta against the Falcons? I'll take the football team because I just, I know the Falcons won last week, but I still think they stink out loud. And I know Washington isn't great either, but like, I just have a hard time believing their defense is this bad. Like, it's only four teams, I believe, have allowed more points than them. And mm-hmm. that's just crazy to me. Like, I know, like, RJ and I talk about this a lot, and he's trying to give me crap. He's like, yo, you were too high in Washington. Well, I'm like, I know defense isn't sticky year to year, but like, how did you think it was going to fall off this much? Like, I, I just feel like they have to be better than this. And Heineke isn't good, but like, I think he's fine enough. And, and I, I do like Antonio Gibson, that touchdown run he had against the yeah, Bills. Yeah, he's freaking or a screenplay, whatever it was. It was really awesome. Um, so Falcons stink, man. I know the football team might not be good either, but like, I'm just going to take him. Who cares? I'm taking the Falcons outright to win. Why not? Okay. I mean, the, the, I've been totally unimpressed by. Uh, Washington and Heineke's a jag. Like he's he, like it's funny that like they're kind of getting excited about him in any way in Washington. Like they just haven't seen a good quarterback in a long, long time there. So they see they see a guy like give any kind of spark whatsoever, like he did against the Giants. I guess they get a little overexcited for a guy like that, but he's not good. And uh, uh, I'll take the Falcons. I feel like I'm like it, like I'm playing a game of poker and I'm calling somebody with a pair of threes in my hand. But uh, mm-hmm. that's what I'm that's what I'm doing here. I'm calling I'm calling you know football team frauds and they're gonna lose to the Falcons this week. And really, none of these first two NFC schemes matter because the Cowboys are probably in the wrong yes. way of the division, <laughs> right? The Cowboys actually have the eighth easiest schedule remaining in the NFL. They're gonna so have it wrapped only... up early December. Yep. Um. So that's fun. Week three. <laughs> and we're here. Or week four. And the Panthers, who are undefeated, coming off of Thursday night football. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have some extra rest. Going up against the Cowboys, who are coming off short rest. Cowboys are at home. They're four and a half point favorites. I am going to take the Cowboys, though, still in this one. Because I think the Cowboys have some good vibes going for them. I am not fully really in on Sam Darnold still just yet. I like Joe mm-hmm. Brady, and I like a Matt Rule. So maybe the, the game is more competitive than I'm anticipating. But you lose J.C. Horn. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has banged up. Uh, I don't buy the Panthers just yet. So I'm not going to put my benefit of the doubt in them. I will take the Cowboys, who are able to put up points. I know the Panthers' defense has been good thus far, but I think that's going to be tested this week. Yeah, I think they're, the, they're they might be the number one defense in the NFL right now. I could be wrong on that, but in DVOA, I think they are. Okay, so um, and that leads me to my point on on the on the Panthers. Like, I think we saw with the Eagles, we kind of thought, oh, hey, maybe this defense is pretty good, and then they went into Dallas, and it proved not to be. But you look at the Panthers' first three teams that they played. They played the Jets, they played the Saints, and they played the Texans. So <laughs> they played two rookies. And uh, and Jameis Winston. So I think the same thing is going to happen to the Panthers week four that happened to the Eagles week three. And that is that their defense is not going to perform to the level that they have so far uh, early on this season. Dallas is going to put up points on them. Carolina cannot match uh, the points with uh, the, the Cowboys. By the way, the Cowboys 
I think uh, we're maybe giving them a little too much credit. Like we're saying they're going to run away with the division and that should not be confused with, we think the Cowboys are like some kind of Super Bowl contender. Like there are plenty of teams in the NFL that I think are uh, much more superior to the Cowboys. Cowboys defense is trash in my opinion. Um, So, you know, they're going to lose to somebody in the playoffs in the first round more than likely in my opinion, but uh, they're going to run away with this division and they're going to win this game uh, against the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, no one here is saying they're going to run away with the NFC as a whole. Yes. It's the NFC East. Um, Colts at Dolphins. Big really big game. game. Huge. Huge. <laughs> Jinx. It Huge really is. Uh, it's a big game for those who don't know. The Eagles have the Colts' first round pick if Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps in this season. And then the, or, you know, 70% and they make the playoffs, which isn't looking great. The Colts off to an 0-3 start. And then obviously the Eagles just have the Dolphins first round pick no matter where it lands. Mm-hmm. So really, when you look at where these two teams are, the Dolphins are 1-2, and two, thankfully, after losing to the Raiders in overtime last week. It's getting a little scared there. And then the Colts are 0-3. So uh, I think it's very obvious that Eagles fans should be rooting for the Colts in yes. this game. Because you, first of all, obviously you want Carson Wentz to play. That goes without saying. But the importance of the Colts winning is about keeping Indy alive in the AFC South to the point where they're not going to just like bench Carson Wentz and make it so that that pick becomes a second round pick yes. instead. Although, like the silver lining of them doing that is that at that point you're still getting like you know a good two, and also you're not feeling like. Like we should have just kept Carson Wentz. And he's lighting it up. In right. Indy. It was so a like, disaster. Yeah. So that's you made, like you, an, it's a, it's confirmation that you made the right decision by trading him. Yeah, you'll live with that outcome. Like it's it's not a nightmare scenario, but it's it's if we're talking if we're rooting for like you know optimization and you really want to maximize the pick, then you want the Colts to win this game and also hurt the Dolphins and help move up the Dolphins in the draft order. So really need the Colts to win this one, and I think because of that, Jimmy. I think Carson Wentz is going to come through for his former <laughs> team. And although I don't love betting on him and I like Brian Flores a lot and I think he has the Dolphins fighting hard, I think the Colts, they just need, the Colts need this game more. Like they can't, they can't go down four. They can't do that. Like that's, that's like the season at that point. I think the Colts, uh, are going to find a way to win this game. I don't feel amazing about it, but I'm going to take them in part because again, I think they need it more. I think Jacoby Brissett stinks and really. Okay. I mean, he, he's like a 60-something passer rating this year. Like, okay. He's not any good. I mean, he did – like, he did – I mean, like, he was okay against the Raiders, <laughs> I guess, given – because the Dolphins' offensive line isn't good, too. And I think that's probably hurting him a little bit. But, yeah, I'll take the Colts in this one. What about you? Okay, so uh, in that Raiders game, uh, like, I, I was kind of impressed by – and. I'm just looking at it here. Apparently, he, he, some nice plays. he threw for 4.4 yards per target or yards yeah. per pass attempt, which is, you know, obviously horrible. But what did impress me about him, at least in that game, was he get, took some huge shots and he just kept He's getting a gamer. Up. He is absolutely a gamer. And uh, I liked his competitiveness uh, in that game. I mean, the Dolphins really made it a game of that uh, against the Raiders on, what was that? What Was that, uh, was that the Monday night game? Last week? Oh, no, the Eagles were. No. When did they play? It was a 4 o'clock. Oh, it was a 4 o'clock. Okay. Um, I mean, just put me down for whoever the Colts are playing the rest of the year. Okay. Like, I'm taking that team. So, like, I think sure. they're. I think the Colts are just a complete and total disaster this year. And sure. uh, the Dolphins, you know, I mean, they have some good things going for them. Their defense uh, made some plays against the Raiders. And, uh, you know, they have some offensive weapons. Um, but 
I mean, the Colts just have nothing. And uh, what, what, what's that line? 1.5? Yeah. I'll lay the 1.5 and I'll take the Dolphins. Chiefs, Eagles, the Chiefs are going to win this game and they're going to do it comfortably. All right, Jimmy, what's your pick? <laughs> I uh, think the Chiefs are not as scary an opponent as they're being made out to be because of the deficiencies that we laid out earlier in terms of their pass rush, their pass defense, and their run defense. I think the Eagles will find some ways to to score points on them. And I think there are legitimate concerns with their offensive line against this uh, interior, anyway, of the Eagles front. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the trio of Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey will make enough plays. And I agree they're going to, they're going to win maybe comfortably, but this is not a team that has really like blown out many teams recently. So I think it's going to be closer than people expect, but yet somehow still kind of a comfortable win for the Chiefs. Okay. Um, I'll take them to cover. Oh, really? Yeah, I'll take them to cover. cover. I think it'll be like, you know, an eight, nine, 10 point game. That's not crazy. I think think I heard Shil Kapadia say like the Chiefs are, and I talked to you about this at practice flex on Thursday that Chiefs are really bad against the spread. I think there's something like two and twelve in their last fourteen games. Is, is that right? Two and twelve. Well, because like they're always favored by a yeah, lot. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, and and that's just how it goes. Uh, and obviously, they've won a lot of those games straight up. Um, which and they're is, tempting what, to take too because they're like, uh, Chiefs are awesome. Give me them because they can score. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I think that's the case. I mean, like I didn't put a lot of thought into my prediction. Obviously, it's just Patrick Mahomes. Like you're not going to stop Patrick Mahomes, even when Patrick Mahomes had like not one of his best games against the Chargers last week. Who are the Chargers are better than the Eagles, but like he turned the ball, the Chiefs turned the ball over a number of times, and they were still in the game to the final play. Like it was a Hail Mary at the end. And one could argue there should have been a pass interference on that Hail Mary. And then maybe the Chiefs actually have a chance to win and be one, two and one instead of one and two at the bottom of the AFC West, like they currently are. And speaking of that, like talking about like the Colts needing a game, like the Chiefs need this game. Like they're, they're at the bottom of their division. They're, I don't know that I fully buy into like, Oh, this team's going to be pissed off. Like I don't think they're going to be pissed off. I just think they're going to be like, this they're is kind of desperate though. Well, I don't think they're going to be angry as much as like this is right, just right, like, yeah. hey, this is like a get right game <laughs> yes. for us. Yes. And I, I, I do think there is still something to like Andy Reid really priding himself on beating the team mm-hmm. that he he used to coach for. Sure. Not that he hates the Eagles, but like I think he, you know, and I think the players are aware of that too. I think they want to get this win for coach. I think that matters a lot to them. Like what I'm trying to say here is like, I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think this is like a game they're overlooking, especially coming off a loss. Um, so. Uh, although I know they have a big one against the Bills next week. So if you want to buy into that being a trap game. No, you're, you're uh, absolutely right that they are not looking at uh, like they, they are taking this game. They're one and two. They have to. The, the Raiders yeah. are three and oh, the Broncos are three and oh, and the Chargers mm-hmm. are two and one with a head to head win with the win, uh, you know, in the bank yeah. against the Chiefs. So like they have to win this game. They're going to like they're not, <laughs> and, they're, and, they're go- like, they're, and they're going to yes. They're not. It's not. It's not a letdown spot for them. I just don't like if the Eagles win this game. Uh, like I don't think it's a matter of the Chiefs overlooked them as much as the Eagles went out and somehow and they. I think I, like, I'm trying to imagine. What's the game the that you remember that you, of the from the Chief, from the Eagles that like they shouldn't have, like the, you you look at the game like no way they're going to win and then they win. Uh huh. Oh, I mean, they would have to like run the ball like super efficiently, control the clock, like keep Mahomes off the field or something. Uh, Hurts having like a career day. Uh, the defense coming up with, by the way, the defense that has forced one interception, one turnover so far, one takeaway coming up with like four, three, at least like three or four takeaways. Like it would just have to be some like crazy game. And I just don't, if you're looking at likelihoods, I just don't see how that's likely. So you know what game that sounds like? 
Because I was asking, what? like, what game, like, uh, in recent memory, can you think of, like, where they had, like, very little chance to win and they actually did win? And you know what you just described sounds like the uh, the the last year under Chip when they went into New England and, and they beat Brady, like, after they had just lost, like, horrible yeah. losses to, like, the Lions, the Lions and, the, and Bucks. the Bucks and uh, the Dolphins. Um uh, so yeah, that's like what you described sounds like that Patriots game where they had a bunch of turnovers. I think the uh, return touchdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, they need that kind of game against the Chiefs here. So you are six and eight against the spread this season. I'm also six and eight. And then Not good. we are two and one straight up in our Eagles picks. So we're both taking the Eagles to lose this week and drop to one and three, which again, I mean, if you look at the upcoming schedule, there's a pretty decent chance that the Eagles could start out one and six yes. or two and five. And that's not the end of the world because, you know, in theory, the schedule lightens up at the end with those NFC schemes. And maybe in theory, again, you can kind of go on a run late in the season. And even if you don't make the playoffs, you can kind of try to finish the season stronger if you buy into that carrying over mm-hmm. the next year, which I don't really, in terms of a carryover thing, I think that can be overrated. Yes. Uh, but I mean, it's still, I mean, it would be preferable to end the season on a higher note than it would be a low note. But, uh, yeah, so that's where the Eagles are at right now. A whole lot of fun. Maybe they'll surprise us, Jimmy. That could be fun. But, uh, for now, things aren't looking amazing. And that's where we are. So do you have any final thoughts? Uh, uh, no, not really. I think we're, uh, like a hundred, uh, or like an hour and 10 minutes in. So I'm good. You? My final thought is check out the SB Nation NFL show, which is recorded daily throughout the week. And then on Sundays, there's a Sunday night wrap-up. So if you kind of missed some action from the games, you didn't weren't able to watch them all, kind of good way to catch up on there. Uh, you can subscribe to that by looking for the SB Nation NFL show on whatever podcast app you use, and you'll be able to hear me. More of me, Jimmy. Who who wouldn't want that in their life? More of me. You can hear me on Tuesdays. I do the Off Day Debrief podcast, a.k.a. the Oddcast with Rob Stats Carrera. RJ also is on there twice a week. If you like hearing RJ for some reason on the NFC East Mixtape, you can also hear him on Monday Football Monday. And then The Look Ahead, which is on Thursday, and they preview every single game in the NFL except for Monday Night Football. Um, so a lot of good stuff in that feed. You should check it out if you aren't already. Obviously, rate, review, subscribe to that podcast and this one here. You can follow Bleeding Green Nation on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. You can check out the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe to that because we have the post-game live shows with uh, Aton Chander and Jesse Taylor and Rachel Privet. We'll be editing this episode. Shout out to Rachel, who does a great, a lot of great work behind the scenes in addition to her show, uh, you know, with Mark Schofield on this feed. So a lot of shout outs for everyone here. Check out Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. His work at phillyvoice.com. I am on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Uh, not Brandon Lee Gowton. It's just my first and last name on those. So, you know, if you're looking for me with a middle name, you're not going to find it there. So just first and last. Uh, check out my work at bleedinggreennation.com. You can check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky by going to righteousfelon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. The same discount code BGN15 works at wildnaturepet.com if you want some dog treats. So you can do all that. You can also go to roachrealtors.com if you're looking to buy, sell, rent, or you can call or text Kristen Roach at 856-906-9295. All right, Jimmy, that was our episode for this week. So we will talk to you all next time. Goodbye, everybody. B.G.
I-N-G-N. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash V-I-Y-A.